Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop breaks down the Pope's latest apostolic letter called Guardians of the Tradition, which has revised the rules governing the extraordinary form of the Mass, or the traditional Latin Mass. Hear more about what the changes are and how it will affect the Diocese of Fort Wayne South Bend. Then it's on to recent votes in the U.S. House that affect pro-life causes both in our country and throughout the world. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our good bishop, always generous with his time. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Kyle. Good to be here. How's your summer been going? Too fast. I wish we had another month of of summer before school started and all the activities got back. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah, it's been good. Time flies. How, how did bocce go for your team? Is this a, a I only subject? Won the first, we only won the first game, and it was really good because we won like nine nine to nothing, <laughs> I think, or nine to one, nine to one maybe. Uh-huh. But then we like lost the next game eight to, to zero, eight to one or something. So oh we were very inconsistent, let's yeah. just say that. <laughs> well, thank you for coming to our... South Bend Bocce, the Viva Bocce Classic, and all those that attended and, and helped out is a, a great success and a lot of fun. It, it, there's no uh, bocce in the Olympics, is there? No, there should be. I, I, I don't know. Maybe there is. I don't think so. Okay. There's some <laughs> weird sports. Yeah, yeah that's true. Do you watch the Olympics? No, I haven't had time. I used to always love watching the Olympics, but yeah. to be honest, I haven't watched any because I've been practically every day in a different parish or giving yeah. talks. And so I really have missed the Olympics this year. Well, speaking of Olympics, current events, there's been a couple things that have come up and we haven't really talked about current events lately. So I thought maybe today we could take a look at a couple things. One is the issue about the uh, Latin mass, the sure. extraordinary form versus novus ordo we could talk about. And then uh, there's also a a Helms Amendment case. So maybe we can talk about the two of those today. So first, the Pope Francis, motu proprio, there's been a lot of discussion online about this, about what's happening nationally. People might be curious what's happening in our diocese and how this might affect things. Can you maybe explain what the motu proprio said? Sure. Uh, the apostolic letter from Pope Francis is called Guardians of the Tradition. And in Latin, uh, traditionis custodes. And the Holy Father, um, in his concern to promote the unity of the church, has uh, issued the, this instruction really um, regarding the use of the Roman liturgy that was prior to the reform of 1970. So basically, we're talking about the use of the Roman Missal of 1962, it was edited by Pope St. John the 23rd. It's what we call the traditional Latin Mass. And um, St. John Paul II and Pope Benedict XVI granted uh, some use, allowance for some use of that Roman Missal. And um, because of some uh, problems that have arisen and concerned for the unity of the church, Pope Francis has has made his own decision to regulate uh, the use of the uh, 1962 Roman Missal. You know, and of course, the Pope has uh, supreme authority when it comes to regulating the liturgy. Mm-hmm. 
some years ago, uh, there was a, a an instruction from Pope Benedict XVI, which allowed priests without needing to ask permission of the bishop, but all priests could use that that missal of uh, 1962, the traditional Latin mass. And Pope Francis has decided to um, to change that, that priests would need the authorization from the bishop to use it. Mm-hmm. So that's a significant, uh, significant change. You know, the, it's generated a lot of, of debate because Pope Francis wants to make sure that People recognize the authority and legitimacy of the missile that was promulgated by Pope Paul VI, and as the ordinary expression of the Church's liturgical prayer, the Latin rite, mm-hmm. and which would be in the language of the local. It's in the vernacular yeah. language. Yep, it can be celebrated in Latin also. Okay, we call it the Novus Ordo, the missile that actually we say began in 1970, but actually it's been revised and most recently by uh, by St. John Paul II. So we're really in the third edition okay. of the Missal. And that's what we use. That's what the great majority of Catholics here in our country are used to, this uh, third edition of the Roman Missal. She remembers a few years ago, we had the a revision of the translation, right. you know. And so Pope Francis is wanting to maintain the unity of the church, was concerned about some people who were very attached to the traditional Latin mass, spoke negatively about the Novus Ordo, Mm -hmm. and even to the point of some groups kind of opposing some of the teachings of the Second Vatican Council. So obviously he doesn't want to approve of any groups that aren't accepting the uh, the authentic authoritative teaching of the church mm-hmm. in the Second Vatican Council. Now what we have to be careful of, I you know, like I know a number of people who who like the traditional Latin Mass and they're totally faithful to sure. the Second Vatican Council. So we shouldn't automatically assume and the and Pope Francis doesn't. Right. We shouldn't automatically assume that because someone likes the traditional Latin Mass that they're somehow against the Novus Ordo, or against the teachings of the Second Vatican Council. Mm-hmm. But in reality, there are some who have um, are really you know, not accepting um, the new order of the Mass. Mm-hmm. So basically, the, um, the uh, instruction from the Holy Father, the apostolic letter, he makes very clear that the ordinary form that we use, the, the missiles that were promulgated by Pope Paul VI and then revised by St. John Paul II in conformity with the teachings of the Second Vatican Council are the unique expression of the Church's prayer mm-hmm. of the Roman Rite. And, and the bishop of each diocese is the moderator and the guardian of the liturgical life of his diocese. Sure. So he gave it back to the bishops to uh, regulate the liturgical celebrations regarding the 1962 Missal, the traditional Latin Mass. So only the bishop can authorize a priest now to celebrate the traditional Latin Mass. So Mm -hmm. a priest cannot do that on his own. Now, they couldn't do it on their own until Pope Benedict issued his uh, apostolic letter Sumorum Pontificum. So so I think it's about 14 years that... 
we've had this possibility for a priest to just uh, celebrate it on his own. So that that's ended. Mm-hmm. Okay, they need authorization from the bishop. In addition, the Pope has said that the bishop wants to make sure that groups that celebrate the traditional Latin Mass don't deny the validity and legitimacy of the liturgical reform. Mm-hmm. So that's unacceptable. Right. You know, it's, it's unacceptable. Now, he says that with regarding these groups that celebrate the uh, traditional Latin Mass, the Pope says they can still have, there could be some locations where they could gather, but he says not in parish churches. So okay. what does that mean? Where would they gather if they don't gather in parish churches? Well, there are churches or chapels that are not parish churches or chapels. I mean, we have chapels in our diocese that aren't parish churches. Okay. Um, like at schools? Yeah, school chapel, university chapel. Uh-huh. The other thing would be we have two traditional Latin mass parishes, what mm-hmm. we call personal parishes, okay. St. Stanislaus in South Bend and Sacred Heart in Fort Wayne. Mm-hmm. So they can continue as is. They are not what the Holy Father is referring to here as parish churches. They are already parish churches that are allowed mm-hmm. to have the traditional Latin mass. So in our diocese, it's pretty small number, comparatively speaking, of people who like to attend the traditional Latin Mass. Really, those two parishes are sufficient for the numbers that we have. Yeah, There are a few other parishes where the traditional Latin Mass was celebrated, not on Sundays, but on you know some weekdays and that occasionally, or uh, I think there are two parishes where they had a weekly daily Mass according to the, uh, the traditional Latin Mass. So that will not continue because the Pope has said that they're not to take place in parish churches. Okay. And really, they can go to St. Stanislaus mm-hmm. or Sacred Heart. So that's, that's probably one of the most practical repercussions of the Pope's apostolic letter. The Pope says that even when the traditional Latin Mass is celebrated, the readings need to be in the vernacular. Okay. You know, need to, here need to be in English and using the approved translations of the scriptures uh-huh. for liturgical use in our country. Also, we are not to, bishops are not to authorize establishing any new groups, in other words, and, and aren't to establish new personal parishes Okay, like we have here, like the two we have here. So had we not had those two, there wouldn't be the opportunity to create Right. I probably, I mean, that's interesting because there are dioceses where they don't have personal parishes. But they've maybe just had the Latin Mass in their regular parishes. No, because the Pope has said not in parishes. But up until this point. Oh, up until this point. And so now they... Right. So they would probably, I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is so new. I would imagine there would be some other uh, churches or chapels that are not parish churches. Okay. Yeah. So I think that gets to to the main issues. It's interesting that the Holy Father also sent a letter to the bishops of the world accompanying that apostolic letter, Mm -hmm. uh, Traditiones Custodes. So his letter to bishops kind of of gets into more explaining why. And uh, I find it very interesting uh, because the Holy Father is very concerned about this, and you know, his concern for the unity of the church. 
I mean, he stresses that the liturgical books promulgated by St. Paul VI and St. John Paul II constitute the unique expression of the Lex Orande of the Roman Rite. So he, he wants to make sure that this is, this is the norm. This is what we normally use. And he stated that he wants to reestablish unity throughout the Church of the Roman Rite. And he asks us bishops to exercise caring vigilance in this regard that, um, you know, in promoting the one single right, mm-hmm. uh, which, of course, preserves the richness of the Roman liturgical tradition. It's important, though, that the Novus Ordo, you know, I think what happened after the council, the decades after, is a lot of experimentation, a lot of abuses of the liturgy. Yeah. So even though we have the beautiful Novus Ordo, it's not been celebrated everywhere properly. And the Pope even mentions this, mm-hmm. that we need to celebrate the Novus Ordo with proper dignity, obedient to the rubrics and to the norms, the proper reverence, all of those things are really important. I mean, some people were attracted to the traditional Latin mass because of some of the abuses that they experienced, maybe mm-hmm. in their own parish liturgies. Yeah. I mean, that's really important for all of us and in our diocese too, that that we make sure that the way the liturgy is celebrated is, you know, that we have that we're faithfully observing the norms of the liturgy. You know, we should have proper reverence and the sacredness of the sacrament. We should have good music and, you know, so that the true renewal of the liturgy that was, uh, that the council called for be authentic, you know, and not a deviation from the tradition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's also extremely, extremely important. Um, yeah. Have you seen just locally an increase in interest in the traditional Latin mass? Yes, I'd say more on the South Bend side okay. um, of the diocese. I mean, it's not a lot of a large number, but it's, it was, it's been growing. Mm-hmm. A lot of young adults, younger families attracted to it. But looking at the whole, it's still a very small minority, but, yeah. but it was growing. Do you see this motu proprio changing much? Yeah, you mentioned a few churches are going to stop doing like daily mass or whatever, but is this going to have a big impact on, on people, you think? Um, some people who were definitely saddened by this, mm-hmm. you know, some people who have been attracted to the traditional Latin mass and see that it's not going to be as as uh, readily available perhaps in other places other than the two personal parishes we have. Mm-hmm. Probably some people were, were hoping that there was going to be more and it's going to be less. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to be pastorally sensitive to those people. And as I said, I think the fact that we have the personal parishes does satisfy the pastoral need. But I do think when the Novus Ordo is celebrated with the proper reverence, the beauty of it, um, and and Latin can be used, you know, if it's, you know, Latin hymns, Latin chant, things mm, like that, okay. 
in the Novus Ordo. The Novus Ordo Mass can be celebrated in Latin. <laughs> you know, it doesn't have to be in English. Uh-huh. Uh, obviously, the intent is we have it in the vernacular, but they could, for example, in one of these parishes, only two that I know of, where they had a, a weekday, weekly weekday Mass, they could do the Novus Ordo in, in Latin. Mm-hmm. I guess we could, might not have time for it today, but maybe some other time, get into the the main differences, I mean, Latin versus the vernacular, the priest would face ad orientum, meaning facing the same direction as the congregation. Right. Some would say to his, with his back towards the congregation. Uh, other main differences between the well, two? Well, actually, you can celebrate Mass ad orientum with the Nova Sordo, too. Uh-huh. There's no prohibition. Do they have to get permission for that priest? Well, you know, most, I, um, I mean, there have to be a lot of catechesis sure. about that. Yeah. And very sensitive to the people because it's become customary to mm-hmm. celebrate Mass facing the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think a priest needs to be cautious about that. But, you know, perhaps at a, a daily Mass, you know, especially at the times where they were celebrating the traditional Latin Mass, that could become a uh, Novus Ordo Mass that's ad orientum, okay. you know, facing the East. Yeah. Um, Would the other differences just be? Translation? Well, no, I mean, or? there was a revision of the rites. So there are parts that were taken out. Okay. Uh, you know, the old Mass, there used to be prayers at the foot of the altar at the very beginning of Mass. That's no longer there. You know, certain things were shortened. But the new order, Ordo, also has more than just one Eucharistic prayer. The Eucharistic prayer in the traditional Latin Mass was not said out loud for the people to hear. Mm-hmm. One of the purposes of the revision or of the renewal was to have more active participation mm-hmm. so people would understand what's going on. Yeah. So now we have the Eucharistic prayer out loud, mm-hmm. okay, and in the vernacular language usually. Um, so yeah, there are a number of, number of changes, but it has been a development. It's still the Roman rite. As a matter of fact, some of the elements of the Novus Ordo are more ancient than in the traditional Latin Mass, hmm. where... There were some things from the early centuries that are back in the liturgy that weren't in the the traditional Latin Mass, which was using really from the 16th century. So, so that's an interesting thing. For example, uh, Eucharistic Prayer Two. You know, there was only the Roman Canon in the traditional Latin Mass. Eucharistic Prayer One. Now we have other Eucharistic prayers that can be used. Well, if you look at Eucharistic Prayer Two, that actually goes back to the third century, and and we find it in the writings of Hippolytus. So it's interesting how huh. there are also elements that have been re- recaptured in the liturgical movement. I'm not a liturgist. I haven't, you okay. know, other than regular, the normal classes that you have in the seminary, I haven't studied the, the development of the liturgy in depth. I mean, I've done my own reading. Uh-huh. I remember the the traditional Latin Mass, although I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And I liked those prayers at the foot of the altar. I mm. remember that. You know, I kind of wish we still had that. Yeah. But you know what? It's not about me and what I want. <laughs> I have always said, you know, I, I'm just obedient sure. to the Pope. I mean, it's not about my personal preferences. Everyone has their personal preferences. Yeah. There may be certain kinds of music that I prefer rather than others. Mm-hmm. Well, am I going to force that on people? No. I mean, I do believe that we always have to celebrate the liturgy with the proper reverence and mm-hmm. devotion. 
And it is the same Jesus received in the Holy Eucharist, whether one receives at the traditional Latin Mass or at the Novus Ordo Mass. And it's unfortunate when there's fighting between yeah. people about the liturgy, these liturgical battles. That's very sad. Let's just all be obedient to the Pope and obedient to the Church. Very good. My friend, Dr. Bob Rice, points out that the traditional Latin Mass is said in Latin, but the name is English, and the Novus Ordo is said in English, <laughs> but the name of it is in Latin. It just seems like... Should, that is funny, isn't it? That. I never thought of that. Yeah. All right. Well, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can call or text the Holy Cross College text line 260-436-9598. Coming up, we'll talk about the Helms Amendment. And if there's time, we have listeners submitted questions about benediction, a celebrity death that had an impact on Bishop, and more. Coming up on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our bishop, and uh, we're kind of talking about some current events that we've missed in the past couple of weeks. But the U.S. House has recently voted in favor of H.R. 4373, pretty catchy title there, which in excludes the Helms Amendment. Can you explain what this is yeah, all about? Yeah, but I think even more, that's important that we look at that, but also the Hyde Amendment. Um, and the Weldon Amendment as well. But let's oh. want to talk about yeah, the Helms Amendment. So many amendment. amendments. I'm getting them all mixed up now. Helms and Hyde and... <laughs> Weldon. <laughs> and Weldon. Well, okay. I can explain them. No, I, I think it's really important because these pro-life amendments in appropriations bills have been very, very important in the last several decades because basically these amendments prohibited using taxpayer money to pay for abortions. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the Helms Amendment. Um, the Helms Amendment was like is like the Hyde Amendment, but it's for the rest of the world. It's for money that the uh, that we pay in our taxes was not allowed to be used to directly pay for abortions in other countries. Okay. And that Helms Amendment has been really since 1973. And this has now been eliminated in these new appropriations bills mm -hmm. last month in July by the House. It hasn't, you know, it still has to go to the Senate. So mm -hmm. that's where our hope is. But anyhow, to force, for example, other countries who, and, and there are many countries that are opposed to abortion, mm -hmm. that in order to get aid from the United States, they have to support pro-abortion policies mm -hmm. is terrible. Right. Pope Francis calls this ideological colonization, hmm. ideological colonization. So it's awful to think that we would make aid to a poor country dependent upon their 
having abortion legal right. and supporting it with funds. Mm-hmm. I mean, terrible. So that's kind of the counterpart to the uh, Hyde Amendment, which is quite famous. And the Hyde Amendment for uh, many decades um, prohibited taxpayer money going to support abortion or payment for abortion in our own country. Mm -hmm. And so many lives have been saved because of the Hyde Amendment. And now the government wanting to fund abortions in our country, it not only makes it easier for women to have an abortion, but also, you know, it's failing to protect life, forcing us who believe it's a grave evil to be cooperating and paying for it. I mean, there's many, many things that we support in various appropriations bills, whether it's for health care or anti-poverty programs, all the different things that the federal government, the programs that they have. It's always had this amendment, Hyde Amendment, which says no federal dollars can fund abortion. Now, there was, except for the cases of of rape, incest, or the danger to the uh, life of the mother. But every year, the Congress would reauthorize the Hyde Amendment. Mm-hmm. And that's gone on every year since 1976. So the House of Representatives last month did not allow or voted down, refused to include the Hyde Amendment in the appropriations bills. Mm-hmm. Now, again, it has to go to the Senate. We are hoping that the Senate will reinstate the Hyde Amendment, as well as the Helms Amendment. Mm -hmm. Then there's the Weldon Amendment, which was passed about 16 years ago, which had conscience protections and exemptions for health care providers who believe abortion is wrong. The House has now removed these conscience protections and exemptions for health care workers, forcing people, really to violate their consciences. Yeah. So anyhow, we're very disappointed. The U.S. bishops have very spoken out very strongly against this injustice. The House's refusal to include these pro-life amendments in, in their spending bills when we know the majority of Americans are against federal funding of abortion. Mm-hmm. There are even people who, who call themselves pro-choice who don't want the federal government to be funding abortion. Mm -hmm. So it's very sad, and um, we'll continue, the church will continue to lobby for these amendments, and we encourage our faithful to do so as well. All right, and is there any resources that you would recommend for people to check out for more information on this, any articles? Well, I would say the USCCB website. There's a lot there. The committees, especially the pro-life committee, has a lot on this. Mm -hmm. Also, the Religious Liberty Committee. So if you go on the USCCB website, there's also an article in Today's Catholic, the August 8th edition, that I recommend people reading. If people don't get a paper copy of Today's Catholic, they could go to Today's Catholic website or the diocesan website. by the way, can I make a little pitch for people subscribing to Today's Catholic? Sure. I, I really think it's important for people to keep up on the news that is important to us. 
as Catholics. Uh, so, of course, today's Catholic, our diocesan newspaper, has a lot of diocesan news, but also national and international news, and some very good articles. Um, not only to learn what's going on in, in the church and our diocese, but even on some of these important issues that, that are beyond our diocese. And people can find that at todayscatholic.org. You can find the digital version of everything. Subscribe to the paper copy. Subscribe to get an email once a week with some headlines and links to the articles. All at todayscatholic.org. All right. Well, if you have a little bit of time, Bishop, we have a few listener-submitted questions. Oh, excellent. Are you up for Good. it? Hopefully, First yes. First question is, and I think that this might be based off... You mentioned in a past episode talking about benediction within the context of adoration. Yes. And how important that was to be part of it, I believe. Benediction with the Blessed Sacrament? Yes. Yes. What is benediction? Oh, it's a Latin. Benedictio means blessing. Okay. Very simple. It's another, it's it's the Latin word for blessing, benedictio. So. But when we say benediction, like you'll see, like if you go to a dinner and sometimes they'll have on the program a benediction. Uh-huh. It basically means the blessing of the meal. Okay. Or the blessing of a people after the meal. Huh. Typically for a Catholic, though, when we hear the word benediction, we think of benediction with the blessed sacrament. Okay. The blessed sacrament in the monstrance. But but really, benediction literally means blessing. So the official benediction, uh, maybe the liturgical, would be with the blessed sacrament? No, because it's, the other blessings are official too. <laughs> okay, so yeah. then what is the? I mean, one? if you go, if you have, look at the missal, the end of mass, there's a benedictio, uh-huh. the blessing at but the th- end of mass. But then there's also a specific benediction with the blessed sacrament. Yeah, that's got its own kind of rubrics and right. and prayers that go along with that. Correct. All right, and what all is necessary for that? Oh, benediction with the blessed sacrament is when we make the sign of the cross with the Eucharist over the people. So, like, divine praises aren't aren't part of that? Are they, they can extra? be. Yeah, they can be. Okay. There's a prayer that said before the uh, benediction with the Blessed Sacrament. And then after the benediction, the Blessed Sacrament is reposed back in the tabernacle. But before that happens, there's an optional singing or reciting a hymn of praise. Okay. And what's most common is the divine praises. That's uh-huh. a very much an American custom or maybe beyond the United States, but the divine praises don't have to be done after benediction, but it's an option, and oftentimes they are prayed. Okay. Yeah. Next question is, what is the best way to respond to people who discredit the Catholic Church after hearing about a scandal? Well, first of all, if if it is a true scandal, if if there's something evil and sinful that happens by members of the Church, no matter who it is, could be a bishop even, or priests or, or laity. First of all, we mourn such evil. We condemn the scandal, but the sin that's mm-hmm. done, evil, whatever nature it is. And we admit it. You know, we don't try to cover up. We just say, you know, it was wrong. But I would say that's, you know, the church is made up of sinful members. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but that's not reason to reject the Catholic Church, because the Catholic Church is a church of saints and sinners. Mm -hmm. Also, the Catholic Church is holy because Christ is its head, and the Holy Spirit is its soul. 
the whole institution, the whole community shouldn't be discredited or condemned because of the sins of some of its its members. Right. Okay, finally we have, was there a celebrity death in your lifetime that really impacted you? Celebrity, do they mean like a famous person? Yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, yeah, I think the earliest one I can remember is President Kennedy's assassination. Huh. And then I remember as a, a child growing up, I was deeply affected by the assassinations also of Robert Kennedy and Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Hmm. I remember vividly 1968. I was only 10, 10 years old when they were assassinated, but I do remember. I think, though, in more recent years, probably the death that has Im- impacted me the most was Pope St. John Paul II, mm-hmm. especially because of the way he died really suffered for such a long time and the way he carried the cross in those those last couple years especially the last months of his life his frailty and his suffering was visible for all to see yet you could see him really carrying the cross of Jesus i think he taught all of us how to die hmm. i mean he he suffered with with faith with love stayed as the head of the church, even remember him trying to speak from the window of the Apostolic Palace over St. Peter's Square, and no words would come out, and just his struggle to to continue on, that had a very deep impact on me, and I think on Catholics, and even non-Catholics throughout the world. Yeah. Well, and speaking of suffering, a couple of weeks ago, we did an episode on suffering, and I've got a lot of really good feedback from that, so people appreciate your reflections on that. Oh, good. So if people miss that, definitely go back and check out that episode. All right, well, thank you so much, Bishop. Reminder, if anybody has questions, you can send a text to the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Sure. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now and forever. Our help is in the name of the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. Take care. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.